Welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod, Stardate 0916.2021. Grant is tired. <laughs> is that what that is? Grant is hard on the eyes. So sleepy. You're yawning. Um, this is a kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about new and classic Star Trek. I'm your reluctant captain, Mike Garcia. With me on the view screen, we have Mariah Gossett and Grant at Baron Von Grant. Move. And uh, Clyde's going to be with us soon. Uh, hopefully, he's making dinner. Making dinner. Mm. Yeah. I hope uh, time. This week, we're streaming the pod live on YouTube and talking silly packleds, sexy Boimler, and the power of friendship and true leadership in <laughs> Star Trek. It's our review of episode six of season two of Star Trek Lower Decks A Spy Humongous. <laughs> But uh, before we dive into the latest Darker. lower decks, I just somebody you just... your YouTube. It's always Grant. <laughs> All, right, thank you. All right, but before we dive into the latest LDS app, um, I want to let everybody know if you want to join us in the conversation live, jump into that live chat. Uh, if you want us to see something, or if you want us to mention your comment or your question, type capital Pod capital P O D before your comment. And we'll bring it up. We want to hear your hot freaks about this episode. Uh, Mariah, can you tell everybody how they can find the podcast? Yeah, it's super easy. You can go to StarTrekPod.co where you can find uh, links to our YouTube channel, links to listen to the audio version of the podcast. So you can like, subscribe, review, do all of the things that help other people find the show. Um, and you can find all the different ways that you can interact with us there. Um. Hey, I also want to remind you guys that there's another way you can support the show, and that is to go to patreon.com slash Star Trek pod there. You can make a per episode pledge. Give us two bucks an episode and you can join us over on our exclusive Slack channel. And why might you want to do that? Well, if you're not currently a patron right now, you should go sign up like right now. You should do it while in another browser while listening to us. You can totally do it. And You'll be able to join us uh, for our, our special live stream tonight where we're going to be talking about uh, Strange New Worlds and all the other new Star Trek stuff that's coming out. So go to patreon.com slash Star Trek pod and you'll be able to access that on our Patreon page. And we're going to be doing that live stream right after this one. It's, it's a true. patron only. Yeah. So, uh, you know, once Try again, uh, patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. Two bucks. Yeah. And we're super happy to be back. Uh, missed everybody in the chat last week. But you know what? It's time. Put on your shoulder pads. It's time to dive into episode 206 of Lower Decks uh, with some people call them hot takes. We call them hot freaks. Hot freaks. Smooth. <laughs> so smooth. So jazzy. All right. Uh, Mariah, let's hear from you. What did you think about this episode of Lower Decks? Oh, man, I thought it was really fun. I enjoyed that we got to see, I feel like, the lower deck tendencies of some of our bridge crew. So I thought that was like a fun, mm -hmm. uh, you know, insight into who they are and their characters. I also liked seeing, um, I always like when we mix up the the pairings of our cast members, right? So we got the trio working on picking up all this extra special space trash. And then, uh, you know, we have Boimler trying to figure out what kind of a leader he wants to be. And overall, I thought it was like, I thought Boim Boimler had maybe one of the most compelling storylines for the week. So that's, you know, it's a little surprising sometimes with the Boims, but I enjoyed it. I had a good time. Um, I do have a week like the packlets sit funny for me to sit I'm in a weird comfortable isn't it they sit in a weird place in my psyche they sit in a weird place in how i feel like they come across culturally and it's not a new cultural critique of this particular uh character that has been created in the trek universe so so yeah i mean like Overall, I always love our main cast. I think I really enjoyed their particular journey um, on this episode, but I, I have very mixed feelings about the Packlets. So, I, I have a hot freak on the Packlets themselves. Okay. Should I wait? I'll, I'll just share. It. Okay. I was Should like, I share wait, it? Wait, share sure. it. Whatever. All right. So the Packlets, right? Mm -hmm. Packlets. So yeah, I do want to touch on this because, like you said, Mariah, the depiction of the Packlets has. Um, we've talked about it before. 
like maybe the depiction of an entire species that seems to be like pretty slow on the uptake to like an extremely comic degree is kind of potentially right. a little problematic or offensive. It's like they have like a whole society and they still figured out space travel. So it's like, <laughs> I just don't understand the characters all the way. Hi, Clyde. Yeah. Let's take a sec to say hi to Clyde. He made it. What's up, Clyde? Hello from the West Coast. We're doing hot freaks, but uh, Mariah brought up um, that the packlets could be a little problematic. So I, I wanted to touch on that. Um, okay. Here's how I'm choosing to watch and enjoy the packlets and sort of like frame them in my mind, if that makes sense. They are really just these like proudly ignorant people who, when faced with like actual facts and reason and even hard data, somehow tend to ignore the truth in favor of harmful, false narratives. Like who? Like who? Oh. Oh. The visual <laughs> cues for our audio listeners include some people in some very specific <laughs> red hats. And they also listen to these often highly illogical and bizarre irrationalities. And they are so brazen in their stubbornness and ignorance that they end up turning violent and treacherous in mass, hurting people and causing damage to society on a number of levels that can seem, I don't know, unrepairable and completely reprehensible. So that's maybe who I think the pack lids are, guys. Mm. Oh. It's very interesting. And my only pushback, because I, I definitely could see where the comparisons can be drawn, is we did meet the pack led leadership this episode. And maybe this is something we can talk about after everybody finishes their hot freaks. But I do feel like they are lacking in a maniacal <laughs> leader <laughs> who has brainwashed them culturally. Imagine how big that maniacal leader's helmet might be. It would have to be pretty large. Yeah, Big and yellow and wavy. <laughs> um, whatever that means. <laughs> what about you, Grant? <laughs> well, Mike, did you want to finish up your your hot freak? Otherwise, of the episode? Oh yeah, we had an episode to talk about, not just the packlets. This was like another, almost another like ten out of ten episode for me. And I will say, while there were some Trek Easter eggs and references here, like always, I feel like they were like less than usual. And the ones, but the ones we did get were like super funny, like especially the the Armist prank call at the end mm -hmm. that was really great. Um, of course, a TNG shout out as the show always does. Um, we got a lot of fun time with our lower decks crew and the senior officers again in this one. We split our time between like the lower deck storyline and the pack led negotiations plot with the pack led. The pack led crew like acting even dumber than ever, but it actually was pretty damn funny. Um, I like the running gag that they think every ship is the Enterprise and they think every captain is either Picard or Janeway. Mm -hmm. Like they only know the Federation from like watching Star Trek like we do. Um, like you said, Mariah, the pairings, changing up the pairings was cool. I like that we got to see a couple fun senior officer pairings, like with Freeman and Shax on the planet and Ransom and Kayshawn freaking out over losing that pack led spy who was just like taking a shit in the airlock and accidentally shot himself into space because that was hilarious though, because backlids, <laughs> I mean, right? Honestly though, that's like a deep seated fear I have about planes. I know it cannot happen, but it's like, <laughs> wow. I don't even know where to go with that. Mariah. <laughs> Your butt sticking out at 30,000 feet from a hole. Yeah. You don't want that, but lots of fun imagery in this podcast tonight, but what I liked best was how, in the end, the episode was all about what makes Star Trek great. Like, people who have a passing knowledge of Star Trek might just think it's a bunch of, like, uptight people making speeches or whatever. But really, Star Trek is all about real, earnest teamwork and doing, doing, what, it takes, doing what it takes to, like, help and serve and protect the people and the things that you love. And that's exactly what we saw Boimler do in this episode. Of course, he did it by replicating junk food all over his face to stop Tendi from becoming a giant scorpion monster thing. Slapstick right. comedy is <laughs> what saved the day. Good stuff. Uh, Good stuff. Yeah, for, for my uh, hot freak, I watched this episode and episode five back to back because uh, since we didn't uh, do our episode last week, I hadn't actually seen last week's episode. And I got to say, last week's episode was 
awesome. I love the duplers or whatever they are, the duplicating dude. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that was funny. If you piss them off, they they <laughs> recombine or whatever. I thought that that whole plot, as well as um, the relationship between Mariner and Boimler, all of that was really great. And so coming off of that episode into this one, I I felt that where there was like deeper connections established and um and something kind of poignant to that episode. This one did feel a little bit uh sillier, both with um the the slapstick antics that uh save the day from from Tendi, who's in a very like kind of classic sitcom plot where she's overexcited and no one else, everyone else is dragging their feet and they have to find that balance of how they, they work through situations they have to deal with. Um, that just felt like any kind of office comedy or whatever to me. Um, and then what I found was just like Mariah was saying, there's a, there's something problematic to the large oafish, um, stupid aliens that are, are being depicted here. It feels kind of like an offensive stereotype to some extent and eh, it just it's it sits a little uneasy because um uh, we'll, we'll get into it i'm sure we'll but really they just that. seem like willfully ignorant people like that's that's all it is and it's it's easy to like not like them and make fun of them because they're just willfully being so backwards they sound I, they sound like what everyone would make fun of people in middle school as sounding dumb. Well, that's true. I, I, I will say that I was I tried to listen very intently to their their speech patterns this week, and whereas before it really felt like, ooh, I, I'm not sure where we're at in their speech pattern. This week, their speech pattern seemed much more. I won't say much more evolved, but more evolved than than that categorical concern that we had last week that middle school humor um it just seemed like it was a little bit more more evolved more nuanced this this week i think um their depiction in in the live action show was a lot worse i Um, agree yeah because those were people playing those characters and they i mean yeah the parallels that were pretty bad but the fact that it's a cartoon and i think mike mcmahon is just playing it as a cartoon you know, I think it's okay, but the um, uh, the critiques are are not unfounded. I'll say that. Yeah. So overall, I mean, just that I watched these back to back. This one was okay. Last week's was great. Good thing we really didn't cover that one. I know. I missed out. Uh, I guess we all missed out. But yeah. my assessment of last week's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Clyde. Let's hear your hot freight. It, you know, I I love this episode. Um, it's interesting for me in part because I always feel like we're trying to watch this episode the day it comes out in the middle of trying to do 16 other things. So one way that I gauge whether or not I'm really into an episode is do I have to watch it in parts or do I neglect something so that I can finish it? Right. And I'll be honest there was a moment today where I was supposed to be pulled away into a meeting. Um, And the person I was having a meeting with got delayed. And I remember thinking, yes. (laughs) And I got to finish it because I was, I I was thoroughly entertained. And I think one of the things that I was entertained by is this whole diplomatic pursuit that I think we saw last week and again this week um, with the Cerritos and particularly with Freeman in that, you know, I've been in a situation, I won't confirm or deny whether or not this is a current situation where you work with somebody and they, they drive you absolutely nuts, right? You're having this relationship where you're just like, Oh my goodness. (laughs) But for the sake of the project, for the sake of your brand, you you respond in a very diplomatic way. And then behind closed doors, you may vent or rant or whatnot. And so that's a very real thing. Then to see this kind of played out in Star Trek, where we've watched Star Trek, and whether it's Picard or Janeway or Art. I'm not going to say, I'm not, ooh, I almost said that. It's been a long time. I almost referred to a captain that doesn't exist. I, so, I just uh, had the thought of it now. So if we're talking about Kirk or we're talking about Cisco, 
really, when you look at these captains, it's always this incredible diplomatic pursuit. They try and they're very understanding of, of different cultures, even if they're appalled, right? Um, and what we see with the Cerritos and Freeman in particular is we see this realness, right? The veil is ripped off and it's like, I'm going to say all the right things, but man, am I frustrated. Mm-hmm. And that's a little refreshing because it's, it's, there's a realness that comes to it that says, okay, especially because it, this is, takes place in the TNG era, that it's kind of like, it's almost like what happens if, if they left the hot mic on Picard? When he turns away, right? You you get this realness. And that that's fun to watch. Like it's it really is fun to watch. Um, and I enjoyed the, you know, Mike, you mentioned it. The whole idea that Boimler kind of got recruited by this snobby, you know, country club fraternity of the red shirts. The red shirts, which by the way, just let's all can we all laugh at a moment at the fact that they call themselves the red shirts like that was absolutely yes (laughs) but but this idea of like you know well we say incredible things and what would Riker say it it really did come down to what do you do like how do you handle this moment when your friend is in in serious danger right and Boimler was like we do whatever we have to do to solve the problem. And then it so if that wasn't enough, then to see Ransom, who we all joke about in season 1, to see Ransom acknowledge and and basically reward Boimler for doing the right thing and not looking like the right thing was amazing. And then again, the follow-up to that to see this brown noser sit in the big chair for three seconds before Shax has him go clean up the uh the airlock poop. Like <laughs> it, it, to no. think about what what should a brown noser have to do? Clean up poop. It was perfect. So <laughs> there's a lot about this episode that I just thought was was really endearing. Um, and so I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then last week's was great as well. That's great. I love I love that take, Frake. I love that Frake take. Going to edit that. I think. <laughs> 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 no, man, but you're going deep with it. Like the idea that um, Lower Decks pulls the curtain open for us to see what's really going on um, in in the. Well, I guess we're calling them upper deckers sometimes with <laughs> the upper deckers minds and what they think about the missions that they really, you know, what they really think about them. And the fact that Freeman is always trying to get ahead and get a promotion is something we don't really see in, in Star Trek Cures a lot. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing a lot of uh, a different perspectives on this show, which are fun, that are well, being mined for comedy in a great way. Well, Mike, to your point, most of what we see on the show is the exact opposite of people trying to get promoted, right? If you think about Riker in particular, like there was actually an episode where someone was like, are you going to live in Picard's shadow forever? Like how many right. roles are you going to turn turn down so you can be on the Enterprise? And so we see these people who never want to leave. That's not a reality that, that I think most of us live in. Right. We live in a reality where the guy next to you is like, man, I can't wait to get my promotion. And and so we see that. So I I love what they're doing here. Uh, we do have some hot freaks from the, the, the viewers coming in. Chupi says um, Lower Decks seems to split into two types of episodes. One is screwball comedy and two humorous parable. Some may combine the two leaning one or leaning on one or the other. Last week and this week are the humorous parable. Yeah, I think we get a bit of both in everyone. There's always some kind of moral or some kind of like larger Star Trek, like emotional theme to to every episode, I think, that I appreciate. Tindy got pooped out by a a space amoeba alien. So I would definitely say there's some elements of screwball (laughs) comedy in this one. Yeah, and I mean, they use screwball comedy to teach you the parable this episode. Right with Boy Moore mm-hmm. at the end, so um, that's a really good in- insight from uh, from Chupi. And I think there is also, you know, I don't know. I'm always like, 
we don't really have to like yuck everybody's yum. Not everything is going to be for everybody. And like, I can understand if you're not into this type of humor, this isn't going to be like the show that you're going to want to watch. Right. Um, But I also think it does a good job of still giving us that like kind of Star Trekky moral lesson, but in a very different way we've never seen before. Right. Kind of to, to Chupi's point there. We have another, Oh, you got it. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Uh, Kern says red shirts are worse than Delta shift. <laughs> you guys remember Delta shift, yeah. but seriously, the ending with Boimler saving Tendi and the gang pranking Armas salvaged the episode for me. Well, that's great. I mean, there's always something to love, even if you're not digging like the plot of the episode or what the characters are doing. There's always something to re- for Trek fans to really like enjoy in these episodes, I think. And there's always something for like comedy fans to enjoy. Grant, you're a new Trek fan and you're enjoying uh, all these episodes, even if you don't get the references, right? No. Hey, hey, Grant. <laughs> I, I teed you up for that one, didn't I? <laughs> Hey Grant, the Armus, the Armus reference. How did that sit with you? He doesn't know what that is. <laughs> okay. I, I still don't know what it is. What's the Armus reference? I mean, it, it, I think the reason why it's funny and the reason why Grant may struggle with it is that episode is such a seminal moment in Star yeah. Trek like history, right? It, I mean, it is spoiler alert it is quite honestly the equivalent of ned stark dying oh wait right? it's that uh that goopy thing on that one planet that they they prank call yes, yes. at the end that's armis it was that from like star trek 5 with uh what's his name shatner where he's like arguing with god no okay no. then i don't remember what this is <laughs> i i do think granted i mean okay, i'm so always armis is from a, a a TNG episode, a very dark <laughs> and weird and sad TNG episode okay. in which this living uh, blob of uh, tar uh, killed um, our our security officer, um, Tasha Yar. It was very sad and very unexpected and very weird, but ended up being a cool episode. But yeah, uh, they mentioned, I think there was a reference to Armis before in Lower Decks, but now we actually see him after like, what? 25 15 years something like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty um, i mean I, I kind of got the idea that it was a threat that they were just kind of messing with and uh you know when when you're not on the planet it's not much of a threat you can just kind of mock this person so that that was amusing to me um even with me not knowing the reference to this episode, I, I understood what they were doing with it. When you just said Armis here, I couldn't remember what you were talking about though. Right. <laughs> I just, I, I, I love the fact that this was such a, a critical episode, like something that, I don't know. It, you, you all kind of know, wow, what it was like when you saw Tasha Yar die for them to prank it was just so well-timed. I thought it was just a, a great move that had to be executed perfectly. And they did it. Yeah. Like well, it was funny. James Worms uh, basically equated that episode to there when you Rodriguez and the blonde get killed. It's Lippy. <laughs> uh, get Libby. killed on Lost. Um, yes. Yeah. That episode called Two for the Road. Um, it, was, it was a great episode. It was a really James, thanks for helping Grant understand. I, I get it now. The emotional yeah. impact. <laughs> I, yeah, we, we, it probably sounds more like uh, when Charlie died, though, if it's like that tragic. Because <laughs> those characters were kind of expendable. And they, they got kicked off the show because they were drinking and driving off set. <laughs> That's true. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Thank you, James Worm, for uh, uh, translating Star Trek to Lindelof for Grant. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> I feel like it. I actually, to Grant's credit, I feel like it's been a couple episodes since we've had a lost reference. So uh, he was so, due. Thank you to the chat. Uh, <laughs> Pika Pika says, "I love the Armist reference. I laughed out loud. That was such a memorable episode from my childhood, and I am still mad about how how TNG did Tasha Yar dirty. There's a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Like some people say, Tasha wanted to leave. I'm not sure what the story was. Who knows." But it was a it, like if you go back and watch that episode, it is it is striking how she is killed off so quickly and how how just vile this this being is that kills her. But then she came back as the Romulan. She came yeah. back as her Romulan daughter from another dimension. Yeah, I guess. You know, 
That's mm-hmm. one of the many ways all these characters come back to life. Yeah, Star like Trek. reference in the other episode. Of <laughs> that the will be a, that will be a number of jokes, I'm sure, throughout Lower Decks. Very true. For sure. I did see someone put in the chat, and I did see that meme, and it was just like beautiful timing. Um, I don't know if y'all saw the looks from the Met Gala, but Kim Kardashian was in like the full like head-to-toe black outfit, like face blacked out and everything um, with um, fabric. Uh, and so someone made it Armis living its best life. <laughs> I, I have it, but I imagine I'm Googling it now. <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone wants to go back and watch that Armis episode, Kern reminds us it's uh, Skin of Evil when they had Jonathan Frakes submerged in Metamucil. <laughs> okay. Accurate. Um, Accurate. I wasn't able to, I know there was quite a few Easter eggs throughout the many artifacts that the, our kind of um, trio was finding along the way. I couldn't find like a pretty accurate list, but it's like a lot of things sounded familiar or like visually familiar in different ways. And Clyde is already laughing. So did you find the meme? Yes. (laughs) Share it. I haven't seen it. (laughs) Clyde has died. We we can't get him back. <laughs> He's done I'm, for. I'm trying. I'm, I'm try- I did not expect that. Uh, <laughs> He'll be back point. at some point. He's got to find his way back around. But I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Really. <laughs> that was very funny to watch, Clyde. Um, <laughs> that reaction in real time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody find it and put it on. I can't find it. All right. Well, if we're talking about Easter eggs. Um, mm-hmm. Rumdar, the uh, the pack led spy, uh, references wanting to see the Cerritos Crimson Force Field, and that's actually a reference to a fake weapon that the Enterprise used against the pack lids in Samaritan Snare. They're like, we have a crim- Crimson Force Field, and kind of like scared them. That was fun, but it's not an actual thing. Um, yeah, I also I thought it was. Um... I like that each, you know, with the relationship between Tendi and Rutherford and um, Mariner as they're on this little like quest to clean up all of the trash. I enjoyed like the montage of all of the silliness that happens to them. It was almost like getting just like a bunch of episodes where ridiculous things happen like immediately right in a row. But the other thing was that because they all seem to have these things happen to them, but Tendi isn't until the very end because she's like trying to keep this very positive spirit about it because she just loves like doing work and she's the one who signed up for it. And I, I really felt for Tendi because are you ever that person who planned something to do with you and your friends? And then it ends up being just a terrible experience and you're really trying to keep everyone like positive, like maybe you booked the beach vacation and then it rains the whole weekend. It had like very much that sort of vibe. And so I really felt for Tendi in that situation. And, and then at the end when it's like, you've been trying to be positive this whole time and no one will listen to you. And so you just inevitably finally like give in and then you have the explosion because you've been trying to like hold everybody else's anger for the entire time. Um, yeah. I, I, I felt that. I felt that Tendi. <laughs> Yeah, I like I really like Tendi's journey here. Grant, you're a little critical of it and I get that, but yeah, Tendi <laughs> Tendi is definitely a sitcom character, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean and, and and the her her breakdown here made me laugh. And I like the fact that Mariner wasn't the star of this episode and she was kind of right about being annoyed by this shitty job, you know? I thought that was a pretty good uh it's a pretty good character interaction. Oh, did we find the meme? I mean, she was like the butt of uh, uh, Mariner was like the butt of a lot of the, the jokes, a lot of the wacky hijinks and all the bottles breaking and things getting flipped upside down and whatever. And not so much the me, Mike, but I thought you should see the picture. The image. It's, um, <laughs> see? <No. clears throat> there we go. <laughs> yeah. It's Armis. It's, it literally is Armis. I mean, wow. I, I I didn't I when you said it I was like oh that is probably just a shiny black dress no that's hilarious I saw a lot of other uh, references to that um, character in that Studio Ghibli movie and Spirited Away like if you added the white oh face right, mask. right right yeah, yeah I I see a, a page that's got a bunch of those kind yeah of, uh, anyway fun times uh, so you guys want to talk about the packlets. Oh, diving in deeper into that conversation. All right. 
I'm into it. I mean, with Mike, I can see where you're coming from. But again, like I said earlier, I do think there's a lack of like. Um, puppet master or something. Puppet mastery. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, there's a difference between like a uh, blissful ignorance that doesn't harm anybody. And then like ignorance that does actively harm people. And so far, I mean, but that's I don't what know. they're doing. They're like literally going around, like hurting everyone. I know, but I just like, I feel like they're, I don't know. I'm missing like a motivation factor and it's like, and without a motivation factor, it almost is like an even deeper kind of problematic situation is saying that like, if you aren't of a certain intellectual capability, you're inherently violent, which is like also not a great take. <laughs> I mean, but, but it's, it's like just will, willful, violent ignorance, even when faced with the truth. No, I'm not Janeway. Mm -hmm. I'm someone else. No, you're Janeway and we're going to be mad about it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I think okay. That it's just like, it's a combination of a lot of factors that are going into how the packlids are being depicted. Mm -hmm. They're, they're large. They're given a heavy brow. Their, their shoulders are big. They're slumped down. They, they seem, they talk slow and it all seems kind of offensive. Like in conjunction with each other to have, all of these uh, these these stereotypical depictions of of someone who's slower or or even like uh, maybe has a mental handicap or something that's being depicted here as this this enemy, but like Mariah's saying, we're not given any other real motivation to these characters, and so they're just being used as kind of a Probably. a uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, a totem, I, I guess, maybe is the best mm -hmm. word uh, for a group of people, but without, yeah, there's no motivating factor. So it, it just feels kind of weird to me and offensive. I, I, I will say something it, it was given to it. It was wow. established in TNG, if I remember right. The packlets only showed up a few times, but it was established that the packlets that we did meet were not so intelligent grifters. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's they, like, they don't really like create starships. They steal, you know, and they're, they're always trying to take and steal. Um, and I mean, I know Star Trek has done a great job of like setting up stereotypes of these, um, these uh, made up species and then breaking them like with Quark in DS9, mm -hmm. like with Tendi here in uh in lower decks they haven't done that with the packlets they just kind of like leaned more into the fact that they're kind of slow and ignorant and reprehensible so yeah that that is kind of problematic but well i think part of it though is they need they need a bad guy <clears throat> i mean this season but they're all bad guys right but but i guess what they're what they're saying is that there's a foil right this is this is the the villain of the season and it it's again, I, I keep going back to the fact that this is a crew that is from Rick and Morty. And so I think what you get in Rick and Morty is you just get the opportunity to make up a, a bad alien or an alien that you can pretty much destroy without feeling bad. Well, in the Star Trek universe, you're not really making up someone new. You've had to look at the kind of canon of of villains or bad you know bad races pick one and then make fun of them mm -hmm. um and so they chose the packlids and they're going all in at, at the butt of a joke um and the question to me is is it going too far is it just a joke or is this one of those things where you look and be like yeah you you guys missed this other thing that might tell us a little bit more about you than you really wanted us to know about you. Yeah. And I think the other reason I'm, I'm, I would be very interested in like, as they were trying to pick, you know, the, the big 
bad for the season or whatever, as they're trying to decide is like the Packlids have a history of being critiqued for all of these things. Like this isn't like a new critique. Like I, after the last episode where we sort of talked about this, I did a bunch of reading and Googling and like, there's a very thoughtful article that was sort of talking about the, you know, stereotypes that are, that are, um, depicted in Trek and then usually how those stereotypes are broken. Like you were saying, Mike, with characters like, like Quark. Um, and then it got into this very, and, and I can link it in the Patreon if people are interested, but it was, it was interesting to me because they essentially were like, Star Trek seems to work to positively portray characters who have physical, um, disabilities or like um, sensory disabilities and a lack of tact when it comes to those with mental disabilities. And Mm. it was um, the article kind of goes into the fact that even in the disability movement, there was a lot of um, pushback on including people with intellectual disabilities in fighting for the American with Disabilities Act and like all of these different things. And so there's like a very interesting larger historical context around this, which I'm sure like, in a writer's room for Star Trek, you're probably not thinking all the way out that big, but it was interesting that I was able to, in a few Googles, find that critique with all of that information within an article that was written, you know, a few decades ago. So I, anyway, I would just be interested in why they've selected it. I have hope that they're going to hopefully turn it around because I do think the writer's room of, of modern day writer's room do potentially think about all of these things. So I have, some hope that I'm I'm laying out. And I do think it is a better depiction than the live action ones thus far. But again, yeah. I'm still we, waiting and seeing. We could never Mariah, do it again in live action. No. Yeah. No. Mariah, would you would you expect that at some point we'll get a scene where the Packlids are sitting around a table having an intellectual conversation and that this the way they portray themselves is a it, I don't want to say an act, but it's deliberately to um, to get their adversaries to think less of them. Well, that was uh, part of the plot in the TNG episode in which we first met the Packlids. Like Chupi reminds us, the Packlids in TNG act clueless until they see the opportunity and then they have no compunction of kidnapping Jordy. Um, Jordy, which is true. They act, they play dumb and they're not necessarily the smartest beings as we saw in this episode and as we see in TNG but a lot of times they quote unquote play dumber than they are and uh, they have a devious agenda behind that it just it feels like we, we've seen in my short time watching Trek I have seen plenty of examples of um, the villain given lots of, of shades and lots of yeah. um of, of depth and nuance so you can kind of understand their motivation even if ultimately at the end of the day you don't you don't agree with the conclusion they've drawn and why they're they're doing the things they're doing you you understand their motivation and you can kind of uh relate and sympathize and here it's it's just one note and it felt like this episode was clearly the opportunity for them uh to flesh out and and give us a little bit more nuance of these characters and instead they they clung to the same uh, single joke of it is all these levels of of idiocracy essentially yeah. uh, within this society that that doesn't kind of compute with the level of threat that they're also able to impose. That's fair. Yeah, that's that's like, a really could, fair critique. Yeah, it would have been like I mean the interesting thing would have been is if the spy was like, oh yeah, I just like told them something that's not even true. Like you know they off the mm-hmm. planet it's like they fell for it you know like yeah and it's like one like, line <laughs> i don't know yeah <laughs> like like in like at the end an end scene like oh they fell for it we're really going to do the mm-hmm. opposite of what we said right um, or he's like i got all the photos like they fell for it mm-hmm. i got all the photos mm-hmm. you know like yeah. You know. yeah uh chris rogers is talking about this he says sometimes it feels like they're just using the pack lids as just a joke in themselves. Yeah, it's just a lols, right? Maybe they're trying to use that as a vehicle for other jokes, but it's just their intelligence so far. Yeah, it's just making fun of their intelligence. So 
Yeah, I get it. At that TBD point. on my <laughs> on my full thoughts about how they're using the packlets for the season. Yeah, oh, Chris continues, and I get what they're trying to do in that sense. I think it's not landing the way they think because they needed an enemy that matches the seriousness of lower decks. Yeah, they just needed a fun enemy that's maybe not a real scary threat. I mean, it would be great if if there was some sort of play between the packlids and maybe this um this prejudice that the lower deck crew has of just kind of making assumptions about them. And so they lean into that. Um, or e- even so it-, it could be that there is something kind of simple, but, but maybe misconstrued about what their motivations are um, by the yeah. lower decks crew and uh, having a little bit more compassion and understanding might see how, how they just kind of see things from a different perspective. Yeah. One or the other, but we got neither. And instead it's just like, oh, they're dumb and whoever has the biggest crown. <laughs> and okay. Right. okay. The, the the I guess the Packlet storyline is somewhat serial, so we are likely gonna see them yeah. again. So maybe we'll get something like that. And I'm trying to remember, I believe, right, at the end uh, at the battle of the Packlets, right? Like they had essentially made themselves a, a super ship, right? Using all of this tech from all of these other civilizations. And so you know, I, yeah, I'm like, maybe there'll be something again towards the end of the season where they've managed to do something incredible that everyone doubted that they were capable of. Um, and, and maybe that's the, the twist we'll get at the end, but yeah, some, some I, I people in chat are agreeing. Yeah. I, I think the thing that's interesting to me is, is really around the fact that if the pack, if the pack lids are the big bad of this season, how are they the big bads if they are portrayed as this dumb? I think I feel the, like the big bad is themselves. Like the lower deck is, is kind of fighting themselves a little bit. We, we see that, but when yeah. you when you hear about the Titan and like all these ships are engaged with the packlets, like we keep right. hearing this over and over. And the question that I have is how is that possible if they're this dumb? I think right. the point I think the point was like in the in the season finale season 1 that they had just l- luckily jumbled together so many super weapons from different ships and were just kind of being a nuisance around the galaxy. So like they're not real a real threat. They're just like a nuisance we have to quell. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But lots of lots of feelings, lots of thoughts, but it's yeah. um yeah know, again chris chris says I, I it's hard to call mid-season but i hope there's a more thoughtful twist to the pack lids that is evident so far and that's kind of what people are saying in the chat yeah we yeah. haven't seen the whole story right maybe maybe there's a, a super smart pack lid uh you know who's somewhere. a legit threat are those duplers man that that part <laughs> is scary i was like everyone's getting crushed to death in all of these rooms <laughs> because of anxiety and i mean i feel that was that. a good one <laughs> i feel that yeah. at my core <laughs> I, I, I also really felt it. I also put in the headline of this episode that we're going to talk a little bit about episode five because we missed last week. But before we do that, there's the meme. There it is. <laughs> Tashi R. <laughs> the thing that killed Tashi R is out there at the Met Gala living its best life. Love it. <laughs> oh, man. But, so there, uh, did everybody like last week's episode better? Is that the consensus? I mean, I did because there was some fun. I mean, there's like some fun references to the animated series, which I always love when they do in another animated series. Um, I also just like I like that we finally got to see Mariner and Boimler hash out their feelings a little yeah. bit. And I, it, was, I felt like it was very much time for that. So I, I really liked that. Um, I also liked the... And I feel like they're setting this up in an interesting way, right? Because like even our bridge crew are still trying to level up. Right. But it's like, they keep getting to these places and then disappointed by the situation. And I feel like they're trying to tell you, you don't always have to keep striving for the next level. You could just be content where you're at, which I think is an interesting lesson to portray through track. Cause we've always seen this like kind of, I, I mean, I don't know. We have like these end all be all captains right but then like what happens from there and they seem fairly content in their positions so it's like why can't other people just be like you go to work you do your thing and then you like live your life right well i I think part of that is the idea is when you are content in what you're doing then that 
promotion might come, right? When it's time. And I think that's what we see on, on Trek all the time. You, you, know, you see, it's not, to your point, Data's not trying to be captain, right? Data's just trying to be the best Data. And then we see a couple episodes where he gets his own ship because they need experienced captains, stuff like that, right? We see that, you know, I think the only person in TNG that we really kind of saw make this conscious decision of, I need to really level up, um, was Deanna Troy, right? Who looked, but not for the sake of, you know, I, I got to become the next captain. It was, I want to be taken more seriously. Um, yeah. And so, so we saw that. And I think what we see in the lower deck is one, w- their desire to level up is it's, it's rooted in pride and self-service. It's not rooted in, I am trying to be the best. It's I'm just trying to achieve this status. The red shirts, yeah, yeah, and that's what that's what we see, right? Even, even Freeman, right? Even Freeman, like Freeman is a captain, and yet she's she's. It's not about the Cerrito being the best that the Cerrito could be. It's about the Cerrito being good enough to get her an Enterprise ship, right? Yeah, and so I true. think I think what we see in that is you're going to keep striving for that carrot, and you're never going to get it. Yeah, like, the and that's leader. the comedy. <laughs> that is the comedy. Yeah, because the great leaders on Star Trek always became great leaders because they had this genuine sense of duty, right? It wasn't about climbing a ladder. Um, and yeah, that Lower Decks is still repeating that theme. And I, we did have a question uh, that I saw in the chat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> CJ Higgins says, did anyone notice when Boim Boim got the red shirt makeover, all of a sudden he had visible muscles? I think I he think had visible called, padding. Exactly. Shoulder pads. The shoulder pads were so, I mean, they should have well, been those little hilarious. Case, uh, muscle outfits mm-hmm. for like, a superhero costume. Right? Got a sweet mm-hmm. do as well. <laughs> it was great. All right. Anything else to say about this episode, guys? I know we're doing Lower Decks episodes, and they're short. They're like under 30 minutes. So Are we going to talk about a little bit about episode five? So... Typically, we keep these episodes a little shorter. But if Grant wants to talk more about episode five, go right ahead. Grant, you you loved it. You you got something to say about Duplers? Yeah, it was a better episode. There was this thing about um, Kirk and Spock uh, being at this bar, and I was wondering if that was like a reference to anything in particular, or if it was just kind of a, a cute nod to the reverence to those characters. Being yeah, just a nod. Just a nod and the idea that, you know, Kirk and Spock kind of always did their own thing and worked outside of the uh, of the norm, you know, so it makes sense that they would end up in the dive bar and not in the main party and probably have a much better time. But, you know, the other sense I'm getting is like the stories that we see in these other shows are all like, you know, in TNG uh, and in the original series. And Deep Space Nine, all of these stories are known to the people on the Cerritos. Apparently, yeah. I mean, it's it's that's like the precedent they have set is that these like legendary stories have made their way across well, all of these ships. The other thing is that Mariner including on, the including the Voy is that what do they call it? The Voy, the Voy. The Voy. There's Voy, because um, uh, you know I think it's fun that they've lined up the characters to sort of all have these experiences to bring into the knowledge base. I think it it seems to be that because Picard was on the Enterprise, everyone sort of knows what's happening on the Enterprise, and then we have Boimler who's really into the history of, and then you have Mariner who served on Deep Space Nine. So you have all of these kind of intersections of the fandom all on one ship, <laughs> right? And I, I thought that um, the aspect of uh, Freeman, Captain Freeman, and the rest of the um, the bridge crew not being able to get into the party as well, um, this this constant quest for uh, respect and a- acknowledgement that uh, her her group seems to be going through for their little background arc, um, and then still finding family and acceptance at that bar with her daughter and you know, the lower decks crew. I thought that was a beautiful moment. I thought it was, like it hit on a whole bunch of things that like coincided in a, a series of beautiful moments of, of Mariner and Boimler kind of uh, coming to terms with their rift and uh, Freeman 
and crew kind of having acceptance there. And, and Tendi and um, Rutherford kind of uh, coming to coming to terms with uh, him forgetting his memory and like the things that, that still connect them and what they, what they do together as, as a hobby, not for this end goal, but as a way to connect with each other. It, it was just kind of a beautiful episode. I was really, really taken by that one in particular, which is why I'm so down on episode six. And I, <laughs> I would have preferred to talk about episode five. Episode um, six was a good time. Episode five was a good time. And it also was like deeper for the characters and did have those wonderful heartfelt moments that I think we'll remember for a long time, but they, they weren't obvious or overly sappy or over in your face. They were still funny and super entertaining, um, but also resonant. And I really appreciated that about that episode. Everything you said is, is on point. Yeah. And um, home chicky just commented where uh, we're going to talk about star Trek day for the patrons. Uh, we were open to talking about episode details on the regular stream. So do not worry. There is patron only content coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> We're confusing the people. All right. Um, yeah. Anything else to say real quick about episode five, episode six uh, for oh, this, I, this stream? I, the one thing that I'll say about episode five was it, it moved me that it felt like the Cerritos was coming together. Right. That the, the fact that yeah. they all ended up in the bar was a really good place for them to be. Um, and it's almost like we're seeing their growth as a team. You know how I love a team up. Um, whereas I think if we, we go back to season one, it really did feel like a bunch of individuals with competing agendas. Yeah. Um, now we're, we're seeing like, we're seeing mentorship and protection and, and, you know, the passing on of, of, of wisdom. And so I, I really thought that that was a great moment for the Cerritos and their crew as a whole. So I'm excited to see where the season goes. Yeah. And piggyback, piggybacking on that, Takako says, it just occurred to me that the moment with Captain Freeman at the party so resonated because who hasn't had at least one moment in their lives when they felt they didn't get what they deserved. And Kern Every says, day, last- Takako. Every day. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> Kern says last week's episode really works if you watched all the episodes to that point to see how much the relationships of the four main characters has developed over time. And not just then, the uh, the command crew as well. The command crew with our lower decks characters, like you were saying, Clyde, for sure. Agreed, agreed. Okay, and like Grant said earlier, if you are a patron, you can join us over on patreon.com slash Star Trek pod uh, just in a few minutes, and we're going to jump on a patron-only live stream pod episode podcast thing video that's what we're calling it that's the full yeah. title that's the full title yeah. <laughs> thank god there's no character limits on the titles for these things <laughs> uh but yeah go to patreon.com slash star trek pod if you're not a patron sign up right now we're gonna talk for a while about all the star trek day uh news we're gonna watch some of those trailers and comment on them live and and if you want to jump on on the stream with us you can so that'll be fun too um all right so join us there if you're watching live go to star trek pod uh no what is it patreon.com slash star trek pod yeah it's right down there and if you're in the slack if if you're in the slack the link directly to that patron only stream is in the uh in the patron slack but thanks for tuning in we'll be back next week with another dive into lower decks with a review of the seventh episode of season two very exciting hi y'all we'll see you later All right. Live long and prosper. Bye.